caregiving really is a 24-7 responsibility as dementia progresses. And one person just can't do it. Exhaustion, because it's impossible to do every single task independently or individually. Irritability is a very natural response to (laughs) stress and not getting sleep and exhaustion. Moodiness triggered negative responses and actions. You just get frustrated, want people to just leave you alone because you're being constantly pressured to care and give all day long. So that can be um, very common. It can also be common to lose your ability to concentrate on things, making it very difficult to perform tasks or even remember the things that you need to get accomplished or your own doctor's appointments or things that you need to do for yourself. Welcome to Aging in Style with me, Lori Williams. I'm an optimist by nature, and I believe you can follow your dreams at any age. My grandmother's journey with dementia ignited a passion in me to work with seniors. I've spent the past 13 years learning about seniors and aging. In my mid-50s, I followed my own dream and founded my company, where I use my expertise to help seniors locate housing and resources. On this podcast, we cover all aspects of aging. Join us each week to meet senior living experts and inspirational seniors who are following their dreams. The fact is, we're all aging, so why not do it in style? Hi, welcome to today's episode of Aging in Style. I'm so glad that you're here today. We have a great episode. We're going to be talking about caregiver stress. And our guest today is Megan Rowe with the Alzheimer's Association. If you listen to the podcast, you know that Megan is a regular guest on our show. Megan is the Senior Program Manager for the Alzheimer's Association, Dallas and Northeast Texas chapter. And Megan's proven expertise is focused on quality education and support services for families, preserving dignity and enabling families and professionals to foster supportive environments throughout the disease process. So today we thought it'd be really important to go over the 10 symptoms of caregiver stress and also some tips on how to manage. So welcome to the podcast, Megan. Thanks for having me back. I always enjoy this, Lori. Good. Well, we always enjoy it and you always bring such great information for our listeners. So let's start off today. Let's hit the 10 symptoms of caregiver stress. Of course. Um, so Alzheimer's, as most people know, and dementia in general, can cause a lot of stress for families because it's not just the individual with the diagnosis that's impacted. They say it takes two and a half loved ones to take care of someone with dementia. So with that become stress, of course. So Alzheimer's caregivers do frequently report experiencing high levels of stress. It can be overwhelming to take care of your loved one when they're going through dementia, but too much stress can be harmful to both the person with dementia and the caregiver. So a couple of symptoms that we're going to go over today, um, we will be reviewing some strategies to manage stress, but these Um, Just be on the lookout to see if this is something you recognize in yourself or in others um, so that you can get maybe some more support that you need. So denial can be a very real symptom of caregiver stress, denial about the disease, the denial about the impact of the disease on the person who's been diagnosed, believing that, you know, your loved one's going to get better or being in denial about different causes or maybe just, oh, it's just normal aging or just kind of like just denying the existence of the disease in the first place. Does that sound familiar at all, Lori? It it really does. And I would say, you know, so many people we talk to, the adult children, they have 
honestly let it go a lot of times too far, you know, too long without bringing in some help for their parents or, or finding a memory care for them. And it is, it's denial. And it's, and I think it's probably a little self-preservation. You don't want to admit to yourself that your mom or your dad, who you've looked up to your whole life is now really struggling. So I would say that's a very accurate statement <laughs> to bring up denial. Yeah. And sometimes when denial is going on, um, the primary caregivers will kind of um, take over for the person with dementia and kind of hide uh, maybe some of the symptoms or withdraw from, you know, activities that they may be familiar with doing. So there's that right there, as well as the next one um, would be anger, actually, but not always anger at the person with a diagnosis. It could be anger or frustration with the situation or being coming impatient or being frustrated that they can't do what they used to, but you've seen them do it before, but they just can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Or trying to remind someone, you know what to do. You know where we're going. Remember, we're going to go for this walk or go to the doctor, or we've had this plan for weeks. So anger is something that can come up pretty easily, especially through um, being impatient um, with repetition or just the constant caregiving responsibilities. Especially for our families that are sandwich generation, where you're, you know, say an adult daughter and you still have school-age kids and you're working and you're also caring for a parent with dementia. I mean, just the stress that can bring anger on too, because you're you're frustrated, you're hurrying, you're trying to get so many things done, and you're like, come on, you remember this, or how did you how could you forget this? So I've seen that and and heard it from people that I have talked to. Yeah, losing your cool in a situation where you're trying to manage multiple things at once. I mean, that happens on the regular for all people. Um, So considering that on top of caregiving responsibilities for a loved one with dementia, that can be really challenging. So the next one I kind of spoke about, but social withdrawal. This can be common for folks um, that are either hiding a diagnosis or might feel judged by an experience of dementia, even if they don't have a diagnosis, but they're showing signs. Mm-hmm. So withdrawing from friends or activities that they used to, um, they used to love doing golfing, going to church, being involved with community events or social groups or going to the neighbor's block party every Sunday or whatever it is. So it's- I was just going to say, I know that that is always a sign when I'm talking to a family and they're describing mom or dad and you know, it's, oh, well, they used to be really social. Mom was very social. She went to church. She did this. She did that. And now all of a sudden she doesn't want to go anywhere. And as we, you know, talk more, we find out about, you know, there's some dementia, there's forgetfulness and, and things that are happening. So that definitely is something that if you see someone who is very social and suddenly withdrawing, we need to check into that. Yeah. And especially for caregivers too, because mm-hmm. caregivers need the support of taking care of their loved ones. And when they're not being as healthy as they can be, it's very difficult to provide the best care you can. So anxiety can come up too. Um, You know, anxiety is very common in our society of all the things, all the hats we try to wear and things that we try to manage throughout each day. Um, But anxiety can increase during moments of stress and situations of stress. So Anxiety about the future, not being able to sleep, trying to face another day and what are you going to do and how are you going to accomplish it? What if this person needs more care than I can provide? So your mind just keeping you awake with these almost agonizing questions or constant concerns or just feeling overwhelmed. Um, So that can be a common sign too of caregiver stress. 
Um, and then depression on the other you know, end of that, we talk about depression. Depression can affect your ability to feel like you can cope with what's going on or just even with apathy, like I just don't care anymore, giving up or feeling like your spirit's broken in a situation. Um, so that can be a very common sign of just caregiver burnout and stress. And some of these things can happen all together. These symptoms can be something you experience one at a time or in combination or just a few at a time. Um, so these things can really add up on your physical health too. Sleeplessness, being awake at night, exhaustion because you're, sleep, you're not getting good sleep. So sleeplessness to me reminds me of the anxiety of uh, caused by never ending list of concerns. Mm-hmm. What if she wanders out of the house while I'm sleeping or falls or hurts herself? Caregiving really is a 24-7 responsibility as dementia progresses. And one person just can't do it. Exhaustion, because you, it's impossible to do every single task independently or individually. Irritability is a very natural response to <laughs> stress sure. and not getting sleep and exhaustion. Moodiness triggered negative responses and actions. You just get frustrated, want people to just leave you alone because you're being constantly pressured to care and give all day long. So that can be um, very common. It can also be common to lose your ability to concentrate on things, making it very difficult to perform tasks or even remember the things that you need to get accomplished or your own doctor's appointments or things that you need to do for yourself. So and, you know, I'm sure you see this too, that so many of the caregivers just, they do neglect their own health because they just can't even think about making that dentist appointment or doctor's appointment for themselves. Yeah, and the concern of even having to like, where is my loved one going to go while I go to the grocery store, I go to the pharmacy or my own doctor's appointments. So as you can see, these things that these scenarios that we bring up, it's really impossible for one person to do this alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, you 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 nailed it, Lori. Um, health <laughs> problems occur. You know, this not only affects your mental health or your emotional health and well-being, but it can take a physical toll, too, on your body. Stress can really take a physical toll on your body. You know, you might be more susceptible to getting sick. You might be more susceptible to not being like dieting and exercising right and taking care of yourself. And in in many cases, I've seen where the primary caregiver can get more physically ill than the person with dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can cause stress too, because who's going to take care of your loved one better than you as your you know the primary caregiver? So there's also guilt involved with providing care and extending yourself to accept help. But help is really what you deserve and what's going to give those caregivers the the best chance at providing the best care for their loved ones. So those are kind of the ten. And symptoms of caregiver stress, but we do have tips for managing stress too. Excellent. Well, let's hear how we can manage the stress because we need to. We need to learn how to do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a lot of community resources available that people may just not know exist. I um, mean, you know, the Alzheimer's Association has a 24/7 helpline um, answered by master's level clinicians, so they can do anything from crisis intervention to answering base, basic questions any time of day. So that emotional support and connection is always available to any person across the United States that needs that connection point. Um, Support groups are a really great way to connect to. It's no matter how much, how many friends you have, how many family members you have, 
caregivers are going through a really unique experience and no one will know it as well as other people that are going through it. So they, it's just a very validating um, experience going through this journey together with other people and knowing that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. So we do highly recommend joining caregiver support groups, which you can find through our helpline. So again, that helpline, I don't think I said the number, but it's 1-800-272-3900. And based on where you live in the US, because I know we have listeners from everywhere, there's always going to be an area agency on aging available to you in the county you live in. It's a little bit trickier to find that because I don't have a phone number for y'all to share, but I do have a website link that I can share, Lori, okay, where they can great. open their zip code and find what where their provider is. But these area agencies on aging, kind of a tongue twister, <laughs> provide a lot of resources, not just aging resources, but resources for caregivers. So if you're 40 years old and taking care of a loved one who's over the age of 65, you qualify for services um, to help support you in that caregiving role. Many people don't know that or they find out maybe too late. So a lot of them um, provide respite vouchers so you can get a break from your caregiving responsibilities. They do a lot of information referral and can help you with understanding your benefits, your loved one's benefits. So they're really a valuable resource. Um, they can Do they look at income level or is it open to anyone? It's open to okay. Oh, vouchers. Okay, so I don't know specifically what the criteria is for vouchers. Typically, they just meet the disease, like have a diagnosis of dementia or Alzheimer's. And if a family member is still living at home and providing care, but they might all be a little bit different too. Okay. So the, the counselors with the agencies will know that best and they'll work with you one-on-one to decipher that. But they also have other programs available that you might benefit too from. And it like probably to- is different state to state because I've noticed every state has different things that they offer. Some may offer more than, you know, one may. Yeah. And actually they they differ from county to county because mm-hmm. some counties are more, you know, they have a larger population of people. Um, so the services might be a little bit different. So like Transportation um, in rural communities is really important and because it's further away for people to get to places and things, whereas more funding might be available for other types of programs in a city or something. So that's always important to connect with your local AAA is what I like to call it because it's a tongue twister. Mm-hmm. So to that link so they can just look by zip code. But you brought up a really good point, too. There might be other agencies in your community that provide services. We here in Denton County have um, a program called Dementia Friendly uh, Denton County, and they work to help provide Denton or dementia friendly services in the community at restaurants, worship services, nature walks at the senior centers. The senior centers are looking to be more have dementia friendly programming. So it's really important to just get connected with your community and understand what they have available. That will provide some respite, not only for the person taking care of their loved one, but really meaningful engagement for the person with dementia. Do you know anything about, because I have people ask me this, how do they get paid to be the caregiver? That there is some program where they can actually be paid as the caregiver for their family member. That's a great question. And I don't, I'm not the expert on that, but I believe. I believe that's based on the state. I don't think that's available everywhere. 
And so what I would say is I would go through the Department of Aging Services in Texas It's and Disabilities, I think it is. DADS, yeah. Department of Aging and Disability Services. Yeah, they might have more information on that specifically. Every state has a yeah. little bit of things going on. Okay, but just good information to know that it could be. Look for that in your state. See if possibly you could be paid as the caregiver. Yeah, and it's important to note that there's a lot of caregivers too that have to step down from work responsibilities or cut down on hours to take care of of their loved ones as a full-time job, basically. So having that available as an option can really help. Absolutely. Okay. So we talked a little bit about resources in your community. You know, someone like Lori is actually really helpful too, because she may know of like adult day programs that can really be people um, that it's designed for individuals with dementia. And again, you can get a break while your loved one is taken care of during the day having meaningful activities, or even there's a lot of nurse or not nursing, I'm sorry, memory care communities, a lot of times will have day stay programs. Now they're not, you know, it's a private pay situation, usually. Mm -hmm. But it might be an option, even if you can just do once or twice a week, or once a week, or every other week, something like that. If that's an option for you, it may give you some help at home. Mm -hmm. And with the day stay kind of programs, I know here in Texas, we have, or in our area, we have one that is through a church and it's once a week for four hours and there's no cost involved in that. But then we also have some, you know, privately paid, which you would have to pay for yourself, um, places that you could bring your loved one, you know, one day a week or three days a week, five days a week, whatever. And they, you know, they feed them breakfast and lunch and they do, you know, activities and all kinds of things. But I mean, it's, you know, 80 to 150 a day, you know, kind of depends, but there may be something like that in your area, but always check with churches because I find that churches do offer some, some programs and there's other churches I know in, in the Dallas area that provide one day of like a day adult day stay kind of program. That's a really good point, Lori. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, these caregiver day programs kind of based in the church setting are really great ministries mm -hmm. to be able to help support families that really need that break. And there's quite a few of them in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, so I would encourage everyone that's listening to maybe check out in their community if there's that option um, where they live. And you might find, we talked about the respite vouchers earlier, that in-home companion care is available places and there are some ministries within different um, faith-based organizations that have like if you want to have a friend that visits once a week you know for your loved one and maybe that just provides that companionship aside from yourself for a few hours maybe they take them for a walk or do simple things like that uh, relying on your family and your friends to do to help with that and have these conversations of what's going on with your loved one, that's going to really provide a bigger network of support for the caregiver and their loved one. So all of these are really great ideas to to get a little bit of a break. You know, the other thing I want to add here is, you know, we're talking about you taking a break. I don't want people to be thinking when I'm taking this break, I'm going to be cleaning the house, going to be doing this, going to be doing all these different tasks. That is your like me time. And I think, and I say this to people all the time, don't feel guilty because they'll say, oh, I feel guilty. I have all these things I need to do. No, if you want to go take a bubble bath, go do that. If you want to go see a movie or you want to read a book, take that time for yourself just to kind of 
you know, recharge. And I think that's really important because, you know, I guess in our society, you know, we're always like, we got to go, go, go. We got to be getting all this stuff done. But you're always going, taking care of this person. You need to take care of yourself. That's a really good point, Lori. Our callers here should remember that you have permission to take care of yourself. And part of taking care of yourself is doing things that you love and enjoy. Reading a book, a bubble bath sounds amazing. Going to get your hair done, going to get a meals <laughs> done, going to see friends, going to movies. Those are things that we lose track of when we're giving direct care to our family members every day. And in and every day seems the same, but that's it's a part of taking care of yourself. So giving yourself permission to do that is really important. Um, some other suggestions would include relaxation techniques can really help with just anxiety and stress and taking a pause in the moments. There's a caregiver that um, the association has worked with in the past that had always said, before you respond, count to five or count to three. That way you're really thinking about what you're saying before it comes out. And it can help prevent, you know, further agitation, both for yourself and for others. But relaxation techniques can use visualization. If there's like a, a beautiful place in your mind, you can go to just for a quick little trip in your mind. Maybe it's Greece and all that beautiful blue water, or it's a beach or it's mountains and the breeze, the cool breeze, because we know we need that in Texas when it's 100 degrees in <laughs> Um, we could use a cool breeze now. <laughs> whatever that is for you, or the med- meditation. There's a lot of great meditation apps. And then it's like there's an app that will show you how to breathe deep in and out, and it's like 15 seconds. But it's this little like icon, and it glows to your breath, and that can help really um, kind of resituate things for you, and you just catch your breath. Mm-hmm. And- you know, calm down a little bit. So breathing exercises on here too. So slowing your breathing and focusing on taking deep breaths. And you can also, if you're not one um, who really knows how to download an app, and I'm thinking of my mom right here. (laughs) Sorry, mom. But you can always just look, just Google for yoga or not yoga, but like meditation kind of things. And they'll come, there's a million on YouTube that'll come up and you can just play that. For yourself so it's, it's easier yeah. so there's things you can do at home and i it would encourage you to for if you, if you can step away for a respite and you can go to a tai chi class mm-hmm. or a yoga class that focuses on mindfulness and deep breathing that's gonna be support for yourself um so that's something that's definitely suggested as well as get moving any form of physical activity can help reduce stress and overall well-being even if it's just 10 minutes a day and this is something, even if you want to do this independently, it might be an activity you do with your loved one. Getting out, getting some fresh sun, maybe not in Texas right now, it has to be early or late. And just taking the time to take a little walk, see the sights, enjoy the birds, um, smell the grass being cut, you know, the lawn being cut, and just take those that time yeah. to get. Well, I was going to say that kind of brings us back to the dementia-friendly which we're starting these nature walks, which I'm so excited about. And, you know, be sure to check in your area to see if there's a dementia friendly that has started or is starting. 
But we have all of these great nature walks scheduled. We have, I think, six coming up in the Flower Mound area where I am. I'm actually going to be going on two of them. So I'm very excited about that. But those are for the, um, you know, the person with Alzheimer's as long as they're, as well as their caregiver to go along. And what a nice break that is. And, you know, I think a source to, you know, try to relax when you're out there on this nature walk. I'm very excited about that. You know, and it's really, it's a great design of a program too, because someone with dementia that may not be able to design their own activities anymore, may not ever really think about going outside Mm -hmm. on their own for a nature walk or something to connect to nature and sun and fresh air and the grass. And I'm emphasizing all these sites and things that we see when we're outside, because it's something that's not a common occurrence for someone with dementia. So it really connects you back to nature. It's an enjoyable thing to do with your loved one. And it's just a nice physical activity to do together. So that's Mm -hmm. something that we definitely recommend. Um, Becoming an educated caregiver is also very important. When you know kind of what to expect down the road and how to build uh, or take classes to develop your skill set um, in your 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 toolbox, your caregiver toolbox of dealing with the challenges of the disease, you're really setting yourself up to cope with what's to come and maybe who to get in touch with or how to, you know, for instance, if you ever need to place your loved one, you're not going to want to know about that the day you need to do it. You really need to prepare in advance to know what your options are. Um, some places have waiting lists, for example, or you might qualify for VA benefits that help support the cost or some other kind of fund or long-term care, but then it only, you know, might use specific sites or, or whatever. So trying to figure that out in advance and just maybe what's to come can help you as a caregiver just be better prepared. Yeah, I agree with that. And I love it when people do call us in advance and just trying to make a plan, just you know, knowing what options are out there that they're, you know, home care, hiring a caregiver may be an option. Some programs through the VA where they have preferred caregivers, um, home care companies that you may be able to qualify for some VA paying it. There's different programs that you don't know about until you start looking and talking to someone who can guide you through that. So, you know, definitely in your area, reach out to a good senior placement agency that's connected and know some of the resources for you. And, you know, if you will need to find a memory care down the road, know that, okay, this is a wonderful one here, but they may have a six month waiting list. So you just, you know, you're, you're prepared for what's to come. And have you ever worked with some families that were kind of in emergency situations that needed to move immediately? The majority are emergency situations, unfortunately, not very many will plan it out. Most are more like, you know, reacting to something that's happened either suddenly mom or dad started wandering or someone fell and broke a hip and now that's a game changer so it's usually more like a 911 situation and not to go down the rabbit hole of Lori's expertise but really in an emergency situation there's a lot of paperwork and things you need to prepare before you can even move into a facility and so it becomes really a stressful situation it so does. Um, very emotional. Yeah. And then and then that goes even to the next point of making legal and financial plans and putting those in place ahead of time because it can be very difficult to get plans in place if you don't have any once the person is past the point of being able to consent 
or make informed decisions. Um, so then you're talking about guardianship and that can be very difficult to get and costly. So it's really important to think about that as a family and have these conversations about putting things in place. And when you start talking about these things in advance at younger ages, you, you understand better what your loved one's wishes are for the future, you know? So taking into consideration what they want for their future is really important to honor um, their wishes. So that's something that we definitely suggest. And then of course, taking care of yourself, which we kind of talked about throughout this, but we didn't mention that visiting your doctor regularly is really important. <laughs> As a caregiver, it, is. <laughs> it really is. And I didn't mention that earlier, but sometimes the respite does involve taking care of yourself by making like committing to making sure that you're visiting all the doctor's appointments that you need to go to as well as your loved one. So just keep that in mind as you're taking care of yourself as a caregiver. So Lori, that's all I have for today on this particular topic. Of course, we have more information at our website, alz.org slash care. That's specific to caregivers and that's our caregiver center. And then, of course, if you want to talk to someone specifically about different topics or issues that are coming up for you, you can always call that 24-7 helpline. It's um, 1-800-272-3900. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Megan. You're always such a wealth of information when you're on our show. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise. So we are going to have all your information on the website. We'll have the 24-7 number. And we're also going to probably link back, uh, we will definitely link back to some of the other podcasts we've done. Um, there's one about getting all your important information in order, because um, Megan had pointed that out. So we will put a link to that podcast as well. So to visit or listen to any of our podcasts, you can find them all on our website, which is lauriwilliams-seniorservices.com. And all the podcasts are there. All I believe we're, you know, over 100 at this point, which is great. So be sure to go and listen to them and share them with your friends and family. And we so appreciate you listening and we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. 